Today we're back with part two with Paul Engel, our chief SCOTUSer, talking about uh, the SCOTUS, SCOTUS silly, season. silly season. It's time to do a podcast. Welcome to Pod Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. So, okay. Sheriff Lamb, welcome. Thank you. I got to bring you two on as my hype men all the time. Oh, just, all you have on. to do is just go along. Just put your mask on. Just because I might not agree with it, that doesn't mean I lose my right to parent my kid. Leave the like jokes it. to me, Chief. This is what gets Jim fired up. It's not communism that's going to destroy this country. It's not socialism that's going to destroy this country. What's going to destroy this country is apathy. apathy. Don't count on anybody coming to save you. It is time to save ourselves. Listen, this is going to be a hell of a show Don't worry about what we were doing an hour before we started this podcast. (laughs) We should be done right now. (laughs) Paul has been on the line with us now just sitting here and twiddling his thumbs and making small talk for an hour while we tried to get technical issues done. Not only that, but now we are on take three of our intro Uh, that Dan actually messed up. And we were just like, you know what? Three's the magic number. We're just going with it. Yeah, so apparently it's time to <laughs> We have already poured our second glass of bur- This is a mess. Oh, Jesus. But welcome back, Paul. Last week was uh, oh. was really good. Jeez, it was really Welcome good. back to the dumpster fire. What <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know what happened. fire yet. Zoom, man. Higher blood pressure through technology. <laughs> you know yeah. what? It's I've Zoom. Never been, I've never been sweating this early in a show. <laughs> Between Zoom and my 20-year-old Mac that runs good once it's running mm-hmm. until today. I, uh, whatever. This has been a wreck. <sighs> anyway, we're back. Hey. Yes. Paul. So last week we talked a little bit, little bit about the SCOTUS silly season where yes. we, uh, talked about the affirmative action. We yep. talked about, um, what else did we talk about? We talked about the, the quote unquote free speech case out of Colorado. Yep. Uh, quote unquote. <laughs> and there's actually an update on that one because, um, there was another case, the Kleins out of Oregon that uh, the court, I, I haven't read the details yet, but the court basically said it's pretty much the same thing as 303 Creative, so yeah, hmm. go away. You're done. We, we're, you're, can you, Oregon, can you just, stop messing with them, leave them alone. Can you rehash the case, uh, the merits of the case for uh, you know people that are coming in now new, um, the, the Colorado so the, case? The 303 Creative case was uh, uh, Ms. Smith, I think it's Lori Smith, um, she designs websites, and she wanted to get into the wedding website business she makes custom you know graphics custom everything she's uh, a one-stop shop and she was concerned that with colorado's history of saying well if you do weddings you have to do every each and every wedding no matter what even if you disagree with it she asked the she filed a preliminary lawsuit a preemptive lawsuit saying please tell me that you know colorado can't do this to me and the supreme court said uh, no, you cannot compel someone to express an idea they disagree with. Now, they, she was very specific, both she and the state of Colorado, both stipulated that she will sell to anyone. Any of her off-the-shelf stuff, you come to her to create a website that does not offend her, and she will make you a website. She doesn't care. It's the message that's the problem. And it's pretty much the same situation with the clients in Oregon, Um Jack Phillips, also in Colorado. Uh, it's been a series of, of these things based on these, uh, the SOGI laws, right? Sexual orientation, gender identity laws, where they try to compel speech. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, no, you can't do that. You, the state cannot compel someone to speak uh, a message with which they disagree. Right on. Now, as we talk about these things, too, um, I think one thing that's important to note is uh, when we do this, the Supreme Court cannot make law. 
right? They can't make case Correct. law or they can't make, uh, they can't change law. All they, they can do- make law. They cannot change law. And even though their opinions are called case law, they are not law. Right. So they're just opinions. And there's really, is there anything right now from stop in Colorado from saying not business as usual until the lawsuits start coming in, but Colorado could just disregard this, right? Yeah, but the, the, the court has no power. Uh, Alexander Hamilton in Federal 78 says that the, the courts have neither force nor will, only judgment, and they are dependent on the executive for the efficacy of their opinions. So you're right. There's there's nothing that's, that is – the only thing that will stop Colorado from doing this is if the U.S. Marshals, which actually work for the president, they work in the executive branch, are part of the executive branch – actually comes in and enforces it. What really would happen then is um, uh, Ms. Smith would probably uh, do two things if she's smart. One, she'd probably do that is file a federal lawsuit uh, and asking for a boatload of money from the uh, from from Colorado. The smart the other thing and it's which wish people would do this. she could actually have uh, file a criminal complaint against the officials in Colorado that are doing this because she now has a, she can prove that they, um, they knowingly do not, were, are denying her a right protected by the constitution of the United States. The Supreme court says this is a right protected by the United States. You are denying it to me under color of law. That's a violation of 18 USC 242 since mm-hmm. there's probably multiple people in Colorado doing it, right? Cause it's a Colorado, uh, what do they call it? Civil Rights Commission or something? Yes, yeah, Civil Rights Commission. It's now conspiracy. So she could actually uh, um, have file a criminal complaint against each individual member of that commission that is voting to force her to do this. But that's the part last week where you were talking about that they would have to find a prosecutor that would want to prosecute the case, right? Yeah. Well, in this case, it would the, the prosecutor would actually be the U.S. Attorney. Yeah, so you'd, yeah. you'd have to pressure the U.S. Attorney, the attorney, U.S. Attorney General, but it's um, yes, we you know we need better people in those offices. So it, but it's a it's a two pronged attack. Those it's not an either or. You file civilly, you file criminally, and uh, you, you take what you what you can get. You, you're you're back to that. Um, you know, if ultimately what you're what you're what you're back to is uh, she can simply refuse to pay the fines. And tell the state of Colorado, go pound sand. I have evidence. I have proof that what you're doing is unconstitutional. That makes it illegal. That makes it criminal. Uh, I refuse to comply. This. What does your shirt say, James? There. <laughs> I, I will, will not comply. comply. Hmm. She can turn around and do the exact same thing. She says, "I have a decision from the Supreme Court that says you cannot do this." But it doesn't mean he has to re- ignore every request that I have from him. I will not he comply, just, Dan. He just never complies. I will not. I uh, yeah, texting. I will not He's comply not with share his booze either. He will, so, not, yeah, he will not comply with returning voicemails, <laughs> certain instructions. <laughs> I will not comply with voicemails. Okay, well, we're not. Okay, so we don't need to go through that whole case again. Um, but what I would like you to touch on really fast <laughs> is your three-part series that you have going on right now, um, that you're just fin- finishing up this week uh, on your on your show. Well, it, it's actually not going to finish up this week. I, I've, I've been spreading it out. Um, most people don't know very much about the actual structure of the federal government. We all went to school. We understand checks and balances. We know there are three branches. Beyond that, we don't. it's not taught. And most people are really confused about the roles of the different branches of government. So I did one uh, a couple weeks ago 
called the role of Congress, where I go through the beginning of Article One and I explain why do we have what's called a bicameral legislature? Why do we have two houses? What are the roles of the different houses? Why are they important? Who do they who do they actually represent and why? So that people have a better understanding when we're talking about Congress. We're talking about the only truly representative wow. branch of government. I think we're probably going to get into this in a little bit um, because I know how you feel about um, 17th Amendment. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But do we really have, is it really bicameral at this point? In name, it is. Is it really, well, it, though? It's bicameral. But the problem is, see, originally the House of Representatives represented the people. Yes, sir. The Senate represented the states. The problem is we've basically turned we, we, we've we've turned the Senate into we elect it like the House of Representatives. In, in other words, it's voted by the people, but they still have the responsibility of representing the states because it's the Senate that uh, works with the president, gives advice and consent to the president for nominations for uh, uh, treaties. Right. So the. They still have the authority of representing the Senate, but they're—I'm sorry—representing the states, but they're not elected by the state anymore. They're elected by the people. We've mm -hmm. we've we've basically taken the state out of the federal uh, legislative process. But we still have two houses. They still have two roles. It's just you know we've decided but that. Uh, but they're both working for the people now. I mean, there is nobody working for the state anymore. Well, I, I contend that neither of them work for the people anymore, but that's well, their, true. That's the the legal role they have. Right, right. Um, so, nah, don't worry about so where I was going through, uh, where, I, where I was getting at with that is that in the episode where uh, the second part where you're talking about the role of the president yep. of the United States, uh, people go back and listen to that because once you do finally um, get around to saying what his responsibilities are, you're like, does this really sound like the leader of the free world? <laughs> because he really He's doesn't not. have a lot of authority. No, you know, it is amazing. <laughs> once you once you look into the what the president can actually do, it is amazing how neutered he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, the president really has no power in this country. He um, can do a few things by himself, right? Um, you know, he can he can pardon. That's that's true. Uh, he 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 accepts uh, uh, foreign dignitaries, right? He receives them as, as a single point of contact. Um, if, if Congress can't decide about whether or not to to adjourn, he can settle that dispute. And in extraordinary circumstances, he can call them into session, either individually or together. But it's got to be an extraordinary circumstance. Mm -hmm. Everything else the president does, he has to he has to work with Congress. Well, don't forget that the president now can also apparently declare war. So don't forget about that. We don't go to Congress anymore uh, for military conflicts. The president can just send troops over. So that's a, that's something. It's to protect democracy, it's Jim. To, to protect democracy. Yeah, no, so I, you know, it, that, that's really funny because you're right. Congress, when Congress handed over the, this, it's not technically war, but it is war fighting, the War Powers Act, right? And said, okay, for a certain limited time, you can send people over to deal with this and there's a certain logic to it right the world moves so much faster today than it did in the 18th century you know it went if uh, uh just imagine if uh uh well let's, let's pick a conflict that actually turned into war right pearl harbor the uh it, it still took the the president a couple of days to get congress to actually declare war now imagine 
uh, it's, uh, you know, this conflict in Ukraine's going on and suddenly they start lobbying nukes. You don't have time for Congress to get sure, together and say, sure. we're actually declaring war. The problem is, like so many other things, right? Congress writes really bad laws rather than saying for short-term conflicts. But, you know, once he gets beyond that, he's I think it's like 90 days, he's supposed to come back to Congress. The problem we have is Congress has decided we're not going to use the term war. We're going to be, we're going to authorize armed conflict. We're just not going to use the term war. So they Congress spent trillions of dollars in the wars in Iraq, in Afghanistan. Um, you know they're 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 spending trillions of dollars. All the, all the missing all the Ukraine, missing money, <laughs> right? It's effectively they're fighting the war. They're just not using the word war. Well, you may be a lot of things, but you are a man of your word, and I'll tell you why. Because in the middle of your uh, episode 378, well, at the beginning of the episode 378, you finally gave us the shout out we were asking for last week. That was a horrible segue. <laughs> I don't. I was. I was still talking about war, was, and all of a sudden, Dan's like squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah. Dan just fle- face planted off the segue. Jesus, that was he pulled horrible. H.W. Bush. No, that was absolutely horrible. So what I, I well the, the the one thing I wanted to say about the war is at what point though. Um, for a limited conflict, whatever. How about the war on terrorism? I mean, we, how long were we in Afghanistan, uh, Iraq? I, you know, it, at what point does, okay, so the president says, look, we got to move now. Okay, we move now. But then it's supposed to come back to Congress, and Congress is supposed to authorize a protracted engagement. Which when, they do. When, they just don't call it war. They save war for things like uh, the war on poverty, the war on drugs, uh, uh, the, the war, war on the police, war on and then they just and then they, they just fund the war through the purse strings, yes. which gets the military-industrial complex paid. It gets whatever it, it gets. It gets a lot of people paid. It gets a lot of people paid, and it gets a lot of people mm-hmm. um, in 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 government, especially in the bureaucratic state the opportunities to get really cushy jobs in a lot of these businesses once they do their their few years and you know invest uh, their pension and then off they go yeah so we didn't pay for the shout out that you did on the show here second worst segue <laughs> ever <laughs> only after your last one you know what just go just go i don't even here's the man in his own words <laughs> i'm going to drink i also want to give a shout out to james and dan at pop bless america they had me on their program they had a great interview we had a lot of fun. These guys are a little wild, a little crazy, but again, we had a lot of fun. So find them on your favorite podcast app. That's Pod Bless America. I did he just say we're a couple of wild and crazy guys? Yeah, basically, I did. He said you are. <laughs> yeah, still bringing it back to that. He, he said he said you are. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> no, we appreciate the shout out. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, I don't even know where to go with this because I'm. You talk about me on the program. It's only fair I turn around and talk about you guys. <laughs> Sorry. So we're off topic already because we're talking because about wars. Because of you. No, we're talking about wars when we should be talking about SCOTUSing with our SCOTUSing expert. So do you well, want to? No, we got into because you were talking about the, the, the president's power. Mm-hmm. You're, you, so you pulled us up. Don't look at me with that look. Don't look at me with that con, condemning look. <laughs> so let's jump into social media. Okay. Okay, now that was a ruling that they had. Uh, I'm sure it has a name. Opinion. Opinion. Oh, oh. It's so easy to call it an ruling. opinion. And uh, already, I think, aren't they appealing, right? Actually, it's, you're not exactly right. There was a, it was a district judge that issued a temporary injunction against multiple members of the Biden administration, everybody from cabinet level 
lower levels and basically said you cannot have contact communication with social media for the purpose of restricting protected speech. Right. Uh, it's been misrepresented situation Sunday, but the court said, listen, now this is a case that's currently going on. Uh, Missouri and Louisiana sued the Biden administration, uh, basically saying, listen, you are violating the First Amendment by trying to suppress the freedom of speech through other means, through a third party. And we had the Twitter files, right? You've had you the had, vaccines uh, that they deem to be fake news, uh, misinformation. Mm-hmm. The well, my point same was, thing. you've got the Twitter files are showing evidence of when people in the federal government were trying to get, were asking, um, sometimes you could say uh, complaining that it wasn't happening fast enough mm-hmm. to censor speech they didn't like. And they thought they and were getting it, around it because they would come to, to Twitter and say, uh, this violates your community standards and guidelines and we need, and so you need to take it down. That was their, they, what they thought was their end around that, yeah, that's what they thought. The again, the the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. If they do it directly or they do it through a third party, they're still the ones restricting the free, abridging the freedom of speech. So that's the that's the claim by the Attorney General of Louisiana and Missouri, and the judge was looking at this and said, again, you got the Twitter files, you've got. Um, uh zuckerberg saying yeah you know the fbi came and told us to watch out for this type of stuff you have uh jen saki then press secretary on national television saying yes we flag posts for social media right he said this is so egregious that i'm putting an injunction on this till this case is done now he's also very specific he said you cannot engage for the purposes of censoring protected speech. Had he said, however, you can engage with them for items of national security or criminal, actual criminal activity. So these people are saying that, that the they're forbidden from talking to social media is not true. What they're not allowed to do now is say, G Twitter, uh, G Facebook, you know, this account, this, this pod bless America thing. We don't really like it. You probably ought to stop sharing information about it. Well, it's a matter of misinformation to them. That's going to be a matter of national security is what they'll fall back on. That's a broad brush, right? Anything they, they, they would deem subversive at this point. They could say, Hey, you know what? It is a matter of national security. If people are spreading misinformation about the vaccine, that means people aren't getting vaccinated, and that concerns mm-hmm. that concerns national security. Spreading misinformation that, about the Ukraine war because that's uh, national security against our democracy, Jim. So, I, so the, the 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 trick to it is it is one. Right, does this district judge have the spine to stand up and say, "Where's your evidence"? Right. Because it's one thing for them to say this is national security. It's another thing for them to say, yeah, we're suppressing information that we know is true, but we're calling it misinformation to suppress it. I think the problem is going to be in uh, that the common man out there and myself included do not trust the government or the system at all. Right. They're going to come out and they're going to say you can't do this. Government's going to go, okay, and they're going to turn around. They're going to keep doing it. What they're doing is getting smarter. Right. Twitter. Nobody saw Twitter coming. They thought they were safe with Twitter until Elon Musk came in there and they're just like, released oh, everything. Shit. Yeah, and then they were like, "All right." So all they're doing is getting smarter now. They're going to be better at hiding it. They're going to hire a third party, true. third party company, but just, just like but, just like the CIA does, the FBI to sure. do their dirty work that they can't but do. Can, can, consider this. I, I absolutely, by the way, I absolutely agree. People, people don't trust government institutions because they've proven themselves to be untrustworthy. But consider this little 
nugget that, that revolves around this. So I've said all along, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google, ABC, Beta, they are privately owned companies. They can, they own those platforms. They have every right to control what is on that platform. However, Title 18 USC 242 says it is a crime to knowingly under, for anyone under color of law to willfully deprive some of a right protected by the Constitution. So if you have a judge saying the federal government is censoring information, and by the way, it's it's rule of law, a custom, or regulation. So he could turn around. You, you could actually have these attorneys general turn around and f- again file federal criminal charges, a federal a criminal referral against Twitter, Facebook, all of these, because now that the Supreme Court has said, uh, listen, you can't do this. Now that the judge has said, Mr. Biden, no, 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 they would be if they were to continue under color of direction of law, rule, regulation from any administration, they're not willfully violating a law. They could actually spend time in jail for this. But who's they? And and will it ever happen? The the people they're in contact, the the people that was a Michael Chan or whatever is communicating with. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's the, the problem we have is we spent 150 years being bullied into the idea that the federal government rules as a king and um, it takes a lot to, you know, you spend, again, 150 years not teaching the Constitution, putting corrupt people in, a, in office. It doesn't fix it overnight. The reason I keep bringing these up is it pushes, it starts pushing back on the assumption that, uh, what, what, is the, what is the saying? Lord Acton said, all it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do, do nothing. nothing. Right. We have to do something. But I also love a line from uh, John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams was is the only man to go from president to member of the House of Representatives. He was a staunch abolitionist at a time when the House was controlled by pro-slavery groups. He spent <laughs> I forget mean, how many you mean, 50, you mean dem- 20 years. Democrats? <laughs> he spent years uh-huh. trying to get uh abolitionist legislation through the House. The House actually passed a rule they nicknamed the John Quincy Adams gag rule just to try and shut him up. And he refused. Near the end of his life, he was asked by somebody, he says, you've spent all these years trying to get this through. Every time you've tried, you've failed. Why do you keep doing it? And his answer was very simple and I think very poignant. He says, duty is ours. Results are God's. I, you, if you do something simply because you know you're going to win, okay, but if you refuse to so to do something because you're not sure you're going to win, all you've done is allow evil to run rampant. Sure. And, you know, and I guess that's why we do what we do here, right? We know that it's, I mean, we we can't make a difference. And Jim you, and Dan. And you, but you know that the guy who they make the fall guy is going to plead out to three months of house arrest well, for, for doing something that someone else would have spent a ton of time sure. in jail for. What I'm saying is me and you can't make a difference. Jim and Dan can't make a difference. Paul Engel can't make a difference. But when we reach out to, to the people that are listening, now Jim and Dan and our listenership, now we're a little louder. Paul Engel and his listenership and his followers and his, his that go through his boot camp, now they're a little louder. A little right? smarter. A little smarter. And when you educate those people, so let, let's use Paul's boot camp, right? So let's just say, uh, and you know, I, I know the numbers are off. 
but just for the sake of argument, 100 is always a good number to use. So let's just say Paul Engel has 100 people that go through his boot camp, mm-hmm. all right? Now you've got 100 people that are smarter. And those 100 people go out and they all talk to three of their friends. And that, that was your whole thought with the Constitution study when we did it. Right, right. It's, it, yes, you are, you're building an army, right? Uh, you're, you're increasing your numbers just strictly on educating people. And me and you can't make a difference. And this is probably in our lifetime is not going to make a difference. But you got to hope that the more people that listen and the more people that listen to this show right now are listening to Paul and they're getting those nuggets of knowledge. And they're like, man, you know what? I didn't know about this. And now tomorrow at work, they're telling their friends about it. Mm-hmm. And their friends are telling their friends about it. Before you know, we got a movement, right? The problem is the federal government is so strong right now that that movement has got to be the country. The movement can't be... 20,000 people that show up in Washington, D.C. on a Saturday. They don't care. They will shut their windows. They will not listen. And, wait and then you out. everybody goes home and goes to work, and it's business as usual. This but is where on. I focus on things that, that a lot of people don't. See, and I talk about this in the boot camp. It's that we need to stop focusing on Washington, D.C. as our target. Because like, you're right. We have almost no influence. I have never had an actual discussion a meeting, even an email conversation with my member in the House of Representatives. None. But you know who I have met multiple times? My county sheriff, my county mayor, my county commissioner. Uh, I'm I'm trying to set up a meeting with my the, the supervisor of our board of elections. I can have a lot more influence there than I ever will have in Washington. You say, but Paul, what does that matter? Well, if I get these people thinking, hey, wait a second, Washington can't do that. The Constitution says so. Maybe I get them to think a little differently. And again, I talk about this, and I get, you know, hopefully people around the country are hearing these little nuggets. I I refer to myself as the sower, right, for the parable of the Bible, right? I'm I'm sowing seeds. Some are going to fall on bad ground. Some are going to fall on good ground. And those counties get a little better. Well, if I start making the counties better, the counties start making the states better. You know, this is and this once is, we get the states better, Washington. This DC is actually brilliant. This is because we always tell people you got to contact your your representative. You got to contact your senator. But instead, maybe the message we should be sending is you need to contact your county executive. You need to contact your sheriff. You need you know that's probably exactly right. You know, con- you contact your, your your state representatives. Maybe we just start cutting the federal representatives out of it. Right. I mean, I don't say we cut them out, but we don't they're not the, the they're not the focus. They're ancillary. And I'll give you a perfect example. One of the guys, one of the gentlemen who went to my boot camp contacted me, says, Paul, I've got a meeting with the county mayor. Can you give me some good questions to ask? He says, I'm having a hard time putting what I want into words. Do you have questions that you can that I should ask him um, when I meet with him? And I said, let me think about it. I gave him I gave him actually three questions. Um and actually, he texted me. He says, "Hey, guess what? Before I meet with the mayor, I'm actually going to meet with uh, with my county commissioner." Um, I said, "Great, ask them there as well." And uh, once I gave him a couple of nuggets of a question, he's like, "It's exactly what I was looking for. I want mm-hmm. to have an impact." Now he lives in the same county as I do, so I know the people he's talking to. They're going to hear it now from somebody else. Oh. I've got a group in uh, another group from a neighboring county. I got another group that came up from Alabama to listen to this. And it's those little nuggets that, you know, it's not, there's this psychology theory. I forget what the term for it is. It's not the first person that stands up. It's not even the second person that stands up. 
But when the third person stands up and joins in, there becomes a change in the mindset of the masses to say, wait a second, maybe we can stand up too. And I think that's where we're looking for is let's find some people that are willing to stand up and say, uh, you know, go pound sand. You're, you're not allowed. Here's the law. And is it going to hurt me? Probably. Is it worth it? That's something only you can answer. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to the next subject is when I was listening to your last episode about the powers of the president and when you made the comment that just like you normally do, when you say that this man put his hand on the Bible and swore to protect and uphold the Constitution of the United States, how many times does he have to get struck down with his decisions or the things that he does before we hold him accountable for not doing that? Like anything else, I keep saying this all along. How can you tell when a politician is lying? Their lips, Their lips are moving. Are moving <laughs> right? What does it say about the American people that we knowingly hire liars, cheats, and thieves to represent us, to exercise our, our power in our name? It's because the American people aren't willing to have bad times. They're comfortable right now with their lives. They're comfortable with the way things are going. There's no need to rock the boat. You know what? I'm going to put Joe Biden in there knowing that he is a potato. Right. I don't mm -hmm. care because my life is not going to be affected. I'm still going to go uh, on family vacations and I still have my car to drive and everything is fine until those people are affected personally. Nobody cares. It's we say it. Apathy is what's going to kill this country. All they're worried about are themselves. And as it, long it, as it, their it, life is comfortable, that damn the rest. Well, I take it a step farther and say, as long as the checks keep coming from Washington, the ship can sink around me, but as long as they keep sending me them checks, I'll keep I'll keep voting. I'll vote for the checks. Sure. Alexis Tocqueville is right. The United States will continue to exist until Congress realizes it can bribe the public with the public's money. And they've learned that lesson. Correct. They said that Joe Biden's only got ten million dollars in small donations so far this year, and he's so far off pace for any incumbent Democrat that's that's supposed to run for their second term. Yeah, but he's got the other ten million dollars from Ukraine. Come on. But <laughs> that's fair. Uh, if you also, I don't know if you know, but his son is a uh, is an accomplished artist. Uh, oh. He's bringing in a lot of money with his artwork, and so he's probably going to help out a little bit. Didn't even think about that. Oh, did you hear too? They have no idea where this cocaine came from in the in the White but House. But what if it was art supplies? What if he was going to onto some artwork and be like, "It's we call this the, the coca leaves." And, <laughs> oh. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Does it yeah. snort? It just blows it onto the artwork. You know what's funny, though, is the Secret Service comes out and they say, no idea. Bro, we just found a bunch of cocaine in, in, in an area that nobody can come to. We have no idea where it's from. I know who it belongs to. And the well, entire American public is like, uh, we know. Wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> First of all, where they found the cocaine has changed. There have been four oh, different locations. They said they found the cocaine. Yep, completely then accessible to the public. Then it went to, well. Yeah. Now they're saying, well, there's no fingerprints on it. There's no video of it. Mm -hmm. And now we've got uh, a member of the security service saying, uh, yeah, we knew a week, within a week, we knew exactly whose fingerprints were on that, on that baggie. Now, is that proof that it was theirs? Could they have handled it? We don't, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, if no, there's not, but the point no, is, there's not Paul. Why would I trust the secret service? Paul, you've lied. How often do you have to lie to me before I stop trusting? Are you me? saying you didn't see it on MSNBC? So it didn't happen. Jim? Paul, listen, here's, here's all I'm going to say. And I understand that, you know, I mean, you can't just disparage people. Okay. It was hunters. That's, <laughs> uh, that's all have, I'm saying. I have a, I have a different theory. <laughs> yeah. If I follow, yeah. if you follow Occam's razor, 
That's the most likely answer. Correct. Oh. It belonged to the January 6th pipe bomber. <laughs> <laughs> it belonged to the Buffalo guy. That dude's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I it, it was hunters. Everybody knows it was hunters. Um, I mean, I guess the, the way that his cabinet acts, I guess it could really be anybody's, but... You know, how many times do you think that there's there's guys in his cabinet when Joe gets up there and stumbles across and mumbles and, you know, these guys just in the back listening to this are probably like. Hey, I heard one theory that it was Joe's. It's how they can get him to walk up onto the stage. Well, that's true, too. And the reason he falls coming off the stage is it's worn off by the time he gets to the end of his speech. You, you know what? Oh, I'm not even going to get into that. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's that's probably Jeff territory, but I believe that's true. I believe that they are giving him something to get him through these things. Sure. Because you watch the fall off, right? You watch him and he's somewhat sharp. And by the end, it's, you know, America can be described in one word. Yeah. So. Let's face it, he's never been the sharpest tool in the kit. No, he's never been. So Although he, that's not true. You watch videos of him back even 20 years ago. He was a whole lot sharper than he is now. Oh, he's a lot sharper. He's he still was wrong. The sharpest tool he was wrong, <laughs> but he was able to speak. Who was it that said he has been on the wrong side of every foreign policy decision since he entered the Senate? That's true. <laughs> he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually got a fan question for you, Paul. Well, so let's, Okay, uh, let yeah, it go. Yeah, this is... Uh, I guess you have fans. Wow. Kind of constitutional. Stop yeah, you, it, Paul. Not, you're not our only fan. You know, you, <laughs> well, since he brought that up, we do well, have an only fans. Last time I didn't bring the jokes. I got to read it for something. Since he brought that up, we do have an only fans page. Um, if you guys want to go there, we take uh, all major credit cards and it's just, it, it's, it's Dan. Pa- it's patriotic. Feet ah! it's, yeah, it's, it's Dan's feet. So red, white, and blue toenails. <laughs> Jim's got a tattoo oh, of the state of Texas. <laughs> That's and you wonder I, why I call you wild and crazy guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> you, no, uh, oh, so it's going to go so we, far we off had, the rails. We had an email and someone sent this to me and I had to look it up myself, um, even though I'm going to read you the description from Wikipedia, which is always my favorite thing to do. Because um, Wiki can be trusted. <laughs> um, this person wanted to know uh, your thoughts on the unitary executive theory. It's a theory of the United States constitutional law, which holds that the president of the United States possesses the power to control the entire federal executive branch, and it's rooted in Article 2 of the Constitution. Well, first, I love when people come up with these nice, long, legal-sounding theories. Um, That's not quite correct. It's mostly correct, but not quite correct. Because Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1 of the Constitution says... The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States. The executive power exists in one and only one person, the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. It's not so much that he controls the federal branch. The federal branch's sole purpose is to support him in exercising his role, the executive power of the United States. So it's mostly correct in that, yes, the, the president, everybody in the executive branch works for the president was Teddy Roosevelt had a sign on his desk, right? The buck stops here. Everything in the executive branch is the president's responsibility. Um, the, the but my, my quibble with the way it gets described in Wikipedia is quibble. it's not so much that, well, the Constitution creates an executive branch and puts the president at the top. No, the Constitution vests all the executive powers in a single person. And in fact, when you talk about uh, the, the closest you get 
is um, the the president can uh, require that members of the uh, cabinet, I guess, uh, that that his advisors provide him information on subjects that are pertinent to his his office. This is close. You get to that to that scenario, but yes, all all executive power is vested in the president. So I wonder Everything what the I mean. Been, I wonder what the question. I mean, clearly he knew what it said. I wonder what the. Well, there's a, a theory of an independent executive that that the FBI is supposed to be independent from the president, uh, you know, so that they can actually uh, they're supposed to work in a bit. The DOJ uh, is supposed to be independent. We think of them as independent. That the president's not giving them orders. That's if that's the case, that's a dereliction of duty because the DOJ is there to help the president execute the laws of the United States. That's their purpose. They they work for the president. It's it's how you get to this insane nonsense where the president is not allowed to fire members of his own uh, executive department because you have this legal theory. Well, well, if if the president could actually fire somebody, they might do it for political reasons. Well, duh. They might do it because he's trying to enact a certain policy and this person is doing everything they can to subvert his policy, fire the person. And I think we need a lot more of that. I think we need a president that actually acts like a president, not as a, uh, you know, not, not, not as a troll in chief, not as a, as, as a buffoon in chief, somebody that actually says, this is my power. There's a great story. Um, are you familiar with the with the Reagan speech at the Brandenburg Gate? Uh, is that the tear tear these walls down? Yes, yeah. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Or t- yeah, it was as I understand it. Uh, he he would they they hand the first draft of the speech. He wrote that in, or you know they got it in the speech, and the speechwriters removed it and he put it back, and he removed it and he put it back. And at one point, I guess he's meeting with his, with the, the, the speechwriter, and he says, you know, I forget the guy's name. He goes, am I the president of the United States? Is this my speech? I'm going to say that. See, the parts of the executive branch didn't want him to because they were afraid. They were afraid how the Soviets would react. They were afraid how the media would react. They were afraid about, he says, I don't care. It's the right thing to say, and I'll say it. That is a president acting as president. You're writing a speech for me. You're not writing a speech to tell me what to say. You're writing a speech to help me express what I want to say in a better form. So Reagan had a radio show back in the, the oh. 70s. Um, there's a book out, and I, and I don't remember the exact name. I have the book, and I read the book. And it's basically Reagan in, the, in his own words. Reagan in his own words. That's it. And if you look through there, you know, they have the original notes from him where he mm-hmm. struck things and you know things that he could have said that at, at the time would have been po- politically correct and he would change things just and I don't know I would assume he wrote all of these and then read them and it's like nah this could be better but to see his mindset um, and how he wanted to speak and the message he wanted to convey and watch him watch his his workflow in his own in his own speeches you know striking things out writing things in um, it is an amazing read, and that that book. I mean, it covers everything, and it is very well laid out. I mean, anything they did an audio they did an audio version of it, uh, where they actually took him from the radio program, and they had people commenting on it. And 
in fact, I just listened to that about a month ago. I was on the road and I like to listen to audiobooks and stuff when I'm driving long distances. And I picked that one up because I hadn't listened to it for a while. It, you're right. It's amazing to see not only how this man's mind worked, but the stories of people saying he was always taking notes. He would sit down, he'd be in an airplane in the back of a car and he'd pull out his legal pad and he'd write these out longhand. And then he would give them, these were literally his own words on that radio show. And it, yeah, it was, it was truly, I love listening to that about every year or two, I have to go back and listen to it just because I love the words. Have you read the book? Have about. you seen, have you seen the book or just the audio? The book. I'd the, love, I'd love to get the book. Yeah. I mean, the book is, I actually found it. I don't remember where we were, but it was like in an antique store. I found mm -hmm. it for like three bucks and I started going through it and you see his handwriting. I mean, you see where he, these are his thoughts. I mean, you know, it's not a speech writer. It's, it's Ronald Reagan telling you how he feels about government, how he feels about America. You know, it's, it's, it's an incredible read. I'll have to bring it, it in. You still got that book? Oh yeah. If you want to buy that book from Pop Bless America and you send yeah. us a hundred bucks, <laughs> Jim will sign it and ship it to you. I will not. I will not get well, not for five or not for, for a hundred, not for a hundred. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we can auction it with a reserve. <laughs> um, no, it's a great book. So. All right. So we just scrolled right into Ronald Reagan when we need to go back oh, to the, get back to the constitution. So there's another, Ronald Reagan. there's another, uh, I keep wanting to call them rulings. <laughs> Opinion. <laughs> decision is also acceptable. Okay. There's another decision that you wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, the, uh, well, the, we, we were talking, oh, the, um, student loans, we did the, the, the student loans. loans. So this whole nonsense. So basically the courts, no, Mr. Biden, you do not have the authority to simply write off student loans. No money can come out of the treasury without an appropriation from Congress. You have no appropriation from Congress to do this. You cannot do this. Uh, now, of course, the department of education, has said, you know what? We've got about uh, $350 billion. We're going we're gonna to write a bunch of it off anyway. And this has caused a lot of um, agita in the media, especially the conservative media saying, oh, the president's, you know, he's, he's defying the Supreme Court of the United States. It's a constitutional crisis and the republic. No, it's not. Because the president is not a, the, the presidency is not a subservient role to the courts. The court offered an opinion. Now, if he thinks it's wrong, what he has to do is say, wait a second, it's wrong, and here's why it's wrong. And then if you went along, that, that'd be fine. If he goes ahead without showing that he's wrong, well, let's see. I think that would be considered a, a, a high crime, wouldn't it? Or a misdemeanor? Mm -hmm. In other words, reason for impeachment. Yeah. But then again, this man has done so much to be, to be impeached about, I'm wouldn't wouldn't expect it but the I, interesting thing is, is i guess the thing is still confusing to me if you could just touch on this the thing that's okay. still confusing to me is so the court comes out with an opinion and it's only an opinion and mm -hmm. if somebody says if biden says you know what thanks for your opinion i'm going forward with it what is the legal process at that point i mean does somebody have to sue him and then where does no congress congress simply says okay then you don't get any more money Ultimately, that that's like the that's the trump card is Congress controls the money, so yeah, he can simply well. say, "Fine, the Department of Education gets zero dollars until uh, until you re reverse this policy." 
they're doing it. They're actually trying to do it with the FBI. They're trying to to, to uh, cut the FBI's budget by by a billion dollars because of all the malfeasance they that they've been accused of. Um, they claim that they were they were going to cut the money for the eighty seven thousand IRS agents. Yeah, well, the question is, will our representatives do what they told us? Well, that's just Both it, right? I mean, you say, it's, it's you, you say, oh, is, well, it's it's Congress. Congress can just not pay them. But what if Congress goes along, right? What if why what do if you keep hiring these thieves and crooks and <laughs> and malfeasance? Okay. Oh, because of All something right? you ultimately, said in the previous episode. The, the Constitution starts out with three words, right? We the people. Everything eventually falls in our lap. We are responsible for it all. We are responsible for every vote taken by a member of the House of Representatives for our district. We put them there. Yeah, but the question if, then becomes is, if they do a bad job, do enough of us want to change it? Nope. That's the problem. We're too fat and lazy. But there's something... I want to go back to the student loan because really, this is a problem of our own making because the whole government takeover of student loan was a criminal activity. There's nothing in the constitution that authorizes the federal government to can regulate student loans. You have to say, show me in the constitution. There's, there's nothing in there that even allows the federal government to loan money. Show me where in the constitution Congress is allowed to loan money. To the other, answer is, Nowhere. Show me where they're allowed to be involved in education anywhere. Nowhere. Correct. Exactly. So what you have is you have the federal government illegally taking funds to bribe people with their own money. So it's fraudulently used funds, which is embezzlement. You have the you have the the theft of of uh, basically you have the theft of business from private banks. Theft. Right. The deprivation of property under under uh, or without due process, and now we're complaining because we don't like the way this particular administration is dealing with is trying to bribe the students with this. They never the fact that we're here is because our parents and our grandparents and maybe our great grandparents sat around with their thumbs up their backsides while the federal government was stealing us blind, stealing our rights, stealing our authority, turning the United States from a a union of sovereign states with a government with limited enumerated powers into an oligarchy into a ruling class where now if you are in government right if you hold the right position in government you get to decide what toilets you can put in your home yeah what type of light bulbs you can put in your home stoves and by the way you can commit criminal acts admit to criminal acts in public and not be held accountable because you're considered part of the ruling class now uh, on an unrelated note, um, did the ATF have, have they contacted Hunter yet on his falsification on the? Uh, you know? Yeah, I don't think the ATF did. I think the I think that the Delaware prosecutor gave him a slap on the wrist for that. They gave him. They gave him uh, was a deferment. So hmm. basically, if he's a good boy for five years, they'll pretend the charge never happened. When did they give him that deferment? Before the cocaine was found in the White House, or after? Yes. Before. Before the cocaine was found in the White House. Okay. I just wanted to clear that up. Um, I felt like when I listened to the last episode, you had touched on primaries. Mm-hmm. And I hate primaries. Well, and Jim and I bring primaries home on this show because we tell people how important it is to get the right person in there. But then you totally put it, put me on my head when it comes to primaries because you call it a... 
a primary is a publicly funded privately private i'm sorry a publicly funded election for a private organization designed to limit the choice of the people when they actually vote in the election and when i heard you say that i was like you son of a bitch well he's right <laughs> you son of a bitch he's right and how many times have we seen the primary with the best guy who is just ignored who didn't have the money who doesn't have the money he can't even get uh, you know they won't give him the airtime they won't give him uh, yeah the guy how many times have we seen it jonas shoals yeah. You know, I mean, not God. once, but twice in the presidential election fiascos, you had the leader for the nomination of the Democratic Party get supplanted by the party itself. Uh, Bernie Sanders is one. Dude, he's both. Oh, he's both. In both <laughs> That's in right. Both 2012 <laughs> and 2016. I about that. Bernie Sanders was the, no, sorry, 2016 and 2020. Yeah. He was the leading. He won. He had more delegates. He went through that whole process, and he was supplanted first by Hillary Clinton, then by Joe Biden. Yeah, right? because the, the 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 primary system is designed to say we're going to limit. You don't get a choice of whoever you want. Oh no 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 no! Pick one from column A or one from column B. And again, it's not just president. It is all the way down from president to dog catcher. These are all designed. I was at a. I was at an event uh, several months ago, and um, it was at a it was at a county uh, political party. It was county GOP, and they were proud because they were going to have their first county primary. They didn't have primaries in that county. And I took them aside. I said, "You realize that all you've done by having a primary is destroy the representative process." So, without a primary, what's what's the, I mean? So now what? Without a primary. How would you get rid of the guys that go in there and are self-serving instead of community serving? Simple. Anybody, the state sets some sort of threshold for someone to get on the ballot, and they're on the ballot. Isn't that ranked choice? No. Basically? No. For a primary? No, ranked choice is this really convoluted process, and I'm not... I'm not 100% sure which way I I fall on it. Ranked choice is... um, It's kind of an open primary, but the difference is they you instead of picking one name you pick your first your top three right one two and three and then they have this convoluted process where if no one gets a majority uh the person with the fewest votes gets knocked off if they were the whoever there was they were the first choice for their second choice gets moved up and they go again it's a very convoluted bit of no it's kind of like even locally it's kind of like a police department here who gave and not not anyone that we know Mm -hmm. uh but they gave a chief's test Right. Yeah. And um, chief or captain, one of the two, um, everybody failed it. So what they did, instead of saying, okay, everybody failed it, we got to give another test. You know what they did? They took the highest failing grade and gave him the job. Wow. I mean, that's, that's basically it. Right. Yes. Sort of, sort of the, the, but here's the thing. So let's say we get rid of primaries. So that means that, you know what? You could have uh, 20, 30 names on the ballot for, for electors for president. You could have 20, 30 names for, for representatives, for senators, for governors, and you get to choose. In other words, what you have is, is you have, you could, and what's interesting is, is at least at the president and vice president level, it, you could actually have, you know, president from one party and a vice president from another party. Um, well, which, we used to have that. That's the way the elections used to work, even federally, right? With the yeah. president. Well, originally it was 
whoever the top two vote getters mm-hmm. were, because they didn't have regardless of part, right? Right, regardless of, of party they were in, the top guy got the whoever got the most votes. Once they got a majority, was president that was president. Whoever got second most, that was vice president. Mm-hmm. They decided after Adams and Jefferson uh, yeah. that didn't work right. too well, and they changed it. But the right. point is, now you get a choice. Imagine, uh, you know, you're a you could go in and say. Um, uh, maybe you you love Vivek Ramaswamy, or maybe you love which, uh, which I kind of do. If we're being honest, we've tried to get him on. The, do you know him? No, no. Uh, I've tried, tried to get him on, on my program show. too, and I've gotten any answers. Yeah, he just but, ignores but me. Imagine typical you know, imagine politician you walk into the vote into the polling booth, and you have a choice that says, "I could do a Vivek Ramaswamy, I could do a Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I could do a Joe Biden." I can pick these names at the presidential level. Right. What you've done is you've removed a lot of control of the party. Right now, the political parties dictate most of our elections because that's the way state laws are written. Sure, they do. Uh, I mean, our girl. Right. Yeah. So you you remove that power from them, mm-hmm. and what will my estimate? What would what, what, what I think would probably happen is one is you would not have twenty people running for nomination for president. Because they know they don't stand a snowball's chance. And they're not right? going to waste Most the money. of the people running are running for cabinet positions, right? Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get their name out there yep. so that they can get some some delegates that they can yep. throw in behind the eventual winner to get to say, here, I'm, I'm going to bribe you to Pete make Buttigieg. me. Yeah, I, it's, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bribe you to make me uh, secretary of, of transportation Buttigieg, by yep. giving you these delegates, right? Well, it's, so let's, I mean. Upside of that, like I said, our girl, Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard, mm-hmm. right? Tulsi Gabbard uh, was absolutely railroaded by the Democratic mm-hmm. Party because she absolutely. didn't she didn't toe the line. But Tulsi mm-hmm. Gabbard would have pulled so many votes away from Donald Trump because while she is a Democrat, she's very moderate. Now, I don't agree with all of her stances, right? I mean, she's a little weak on Second Amendment. Uh, but I love Tulsi Gabbard. I would have voted for Tulsi Gabbard. Problem is the Democratic Party put their foot on her neck and just pushed her yeah, right out. Because they're like, we'll, we'll win anyway with Joe Biden. We don't right. need all your bullshit. Right. So, okay, so, so what you're saying is great, all right? If, if the world was like that, and that's how it worked. But that's not how it works. We have primaries. So but there are consequences for those primaries as well. But what do you, what right. do, you the, do then? Are you, are you telling people don't vote in your primaries? No, I, I don't. I, 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 no. In his, in his no. episode, he was just saying that the primaries aren't the best way. No, I get it. I yeah. get it. But no, I, that I, is I, the he, way he, we have right now. He didn't offer any solutions. He, he just said yeah, it's, my, it's a bag of shit. <laughs> it's a bag of shit. If you vote in him, you're a bag of shit. It's a bag of shit. <laughs> my, my answer is real simple. Uh, the person I want to be president is the person I vote for in the primary because that's the way the system runs today. But I want to remind you some wisdom from a guy that was around back um 1796. George Washington, he said, the alternate mm-hmm. domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetuated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. Mm. Right? A lot, a lot of the rancor, a lot of the split in this country, this, this fact that we can't get along on anything, we can't even agree on what a woman is. Oh, God. It's because this, 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 I can't agree with that person because they're a Republican or I can't agree with that person because they're a Democrat. You end up with these, these um, you end up with the backroom deals deciding so much philosophy. 
you know, okay, uh, you know, you like the Tulsi Gabbard for some of her support. Guess what? Wouldn't it be nice to decide on uh, which presidential electors you would prefer based on the actual character of the candidate they pledged to vote for rather than the political machinations of some party apparatchik that was saying, uh, we need this guy because he's going to pull people from this state. And you got this guy looks good. And uh, no, we can't have you because you're going to draw too many way over here. Well, and that's what the problem is now is that it's not about who's going to do the best job. Yeah. It's about, we got to beat the Dems. That's how Trump and the Dems how, are. We got to beat the Republicans at any cost. Well, that's how Trump got Pence for his, right. for his running mate. Yep. And that didn't work out well for him. But yeah, that's the that's the problem now. We're, we're into that that phase, you know, where we are, where we don't care about who's best for the country. All we care about well, is giving it to the other guy. And 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 listen again, Washington's farewell address: the disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual, and sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns the disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. Yes, sir. That's what it's all Trump, about right now. Biden, that's what it is. It's literally, we are choosing individuals. We are creating kings in order to somehow protect ourselves from the other party. And, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, what, what's, 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 there's a saying during the elections, always drives me nuts. Um, lesser of two evils. Tough. Do you know what happens when you vote for the lesser two? You know what you're giving vote it's, for the lesser two evils? It's been like you that. Evil. It's been like that my whole life. I feel like. Yep. It has, because but, we've we've been focused on. We've been told that the two party system is part of the Constitution. It's not. Listen. We've been told that primaries are part of the election process. That's our choice, not the Constitution's establishment. No, forget it. You know what? I give up. <laughs> Just kidding. So, <laughs> listen. Let's. Uh, we, we do got to wrap this up. Um, and we went way too long because apparently I'm technologically inept. Um, but me aside, let's talk about real quick. Uh, just for people out there, what are we'll say one or two of the biggest misconceptions about the Constitution out there for common people that drive you absolutely insane? Uh, there's so many. Uh, right now, my biggest kick is that um, federal law is supreme. See, the, the, the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2, says the Constitution and laws of the United States made pursuant in pursuance thereof and treaties made which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land. Not everything Congress does is supreme. Mm -hmm. And if we simply understood that, I think you know that, that that is probably right now that is my my single biggest uh, you know teeth grindingly aggravating concept of well Congress said this or the court said this that the that somehow somebody in the federal government is supreme over our lives we fought a war to get away from having a a supreme ruler over our lives we have given up our own independence and become subjects to these oligarchs, this ruling class in Washington, D.C., and we don't have to. It's our own ignorance that leads us to this place. That and is the, right. Uh, so that would be the same as if, 
let's just say your, your city, your county, the federal government, whoever, outlaws, criminalizes wearing a blue shirt. Now you're out in public and somebody comes up and says, you can't wear that shirt. And they say, why, why can't I wear this shirt? It's a law. Oh. And it's I say, a, no, it's not. Yeah, masks. So remember, masks. So the masks, right? No, it's not because that law is a violation of the Constitution is therefore void. No, it's and a it's, law. They passed no, it. No, it's void. Oh, and it's by law. the way, those aren't my words. Those are the words of Alexander Hamilton. They're the words of, of the Supreme Court in Marbury versus Madison, Ex parte Siebold, Norton v. Shelby County. Each and every one of these instances said that an act contrary to the Constitution is All void. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, here's a segue, Dan. So let's get into, <laughs> let's get into if you're, if you're going to say that, right? Listen, mm-hmm. times are different. This isn't 1776, right? This isn't, we're not fight. We, we didn't just finish the, the fight for, for independence. Things are different now, Paul. All right. And the constitution is a living document. It's a living document that needs to be changed as time goes on. Is that your segue? And we have a perfectly valid method of changing it. And we've done it 27 times in our history. It is not changed simply because somebody wants it to. I, I was having this conversation with, with somebody on a completely different topic. And if the Constitution doesn't mean exactly what it says, people say it means nothing. It's worse than that. Because effectively what happens is people put themselves into the Supremacy Clause. And they say, well, the Constitution, as long as I agree with it, is the supreme law of the land. Which means we have 330 million supremacists. That's anarchy. Yeah. You cannot you cannot have freedom and liberty under that style of government. If you can write a law that doesn't mean exactly what it says when you wrote it, then you do not have the rule of law. You do not have rights and freedom and liberty because somebody will come along and say, I have a better idea and I'm rather than actually changing the Constitution, the legal way of doing it, I'm just going to make it up on my own and then enforce it on you, like making you use pronouns that make no English sense. Or when they pack the Supreme Court. It's not the first time they tried. Do you realize they tried to pack the Supreme Court in 1801? They tried to pack. They actually tried to pack all the federal courts in 1801. Well, they figured by now everybody forgot about that. 1801. We'll try again. So long. Yeah. We'll try they again. did. In ni- they did in 1938. Hmm. They tried it. Uh, 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 FDR threatened to pack the court because they kept saying your New Deal stuff is unconstitutional. He says, "You keep doing that, I'm going to pack the court and get my way." And the court folded like a cheap suit. Hmm. See, I keep telling you, this is not new stuff. We are dealing with at least a century's worth of corruption of the system. You don't build, you don't spend 150 years piling manure in the backyard and get rid of it in an afternoon. It's going to take time and it's going to take effort and it's going to be unpleasant. But I keep asking people, what is your freedom and liberty worth? What are your rights worth? What are your children's rights worth? Because that's really what you're talking about. Right. Can you water that manure with the blood? (laughs) Tyrants, patriots. Stop it. That's going to get us banned on every platform. (laughs) (laughs) Extremist. I mean, manure is a good place. All right. Well, Paul, we're going to let you go. 
Uh, we got to get you out of here. Well, you've been here way too long because of Dan's <laughs> ineptus. Um, my ability to get you off track and yeah, put you back yeah, on track. Yeah. Listen, there's no doubt in my mind, though, probably within a few weeks, we'll probably have you back here. There's a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. going on with the Supreme Court. Um, there is. And well, they're going we fi- into their time Until off. we find somebody better at the Constitution, you're our guy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> until... Hey, yeah. you find somebody better at the Constitution, <laughs> let me know. I want to learn from them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Until we, have, uh, until we have a couple of the signers that reincarnate and come here. I guess Paul's our guy. Uh, all right. So, man, well, listen, we appreciate you, and we appreciate you being here. Always, always educational. I, uh, I love coming out here and chatting with you guys. You know what? Uh, hold on. Wild and crazy guys. How much time do we have here? <laughs> We're a couple wild and crazy guys. I'll tell you guys. what. I'll tell you what. We got we got five minutes. Okay. Um, we got five minutes. If you Let's talk about, uh, you want to talk about the Patriots. We're just going to let you go. So I started, I'm starting this program called the Constitution Study Patriots. And it's designed, it's designed not to replace what people are doing. It's designed to help them do what they're doing better so whatever your whatever your 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 thing is whatever makes you just so angry or so excited that you want to go out and do it how do we do it better and it's got three parts to it there's an education part right the constitution scholars where people want to learn and study about the constitution there's a whole section set aside for them there's called the committees of correspondence for everybody likes to chat and share information there's a section set aside for them. We're building tools so that we can maintain communication even when the censors come after us. And there's the Minutemen. The, the men and women who say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And they're actually going to stand up and help. Now, to get into this program, you start with a boot camp. Just like joining the military, first thing you do, I'm not going to buzz cut your hair, but I have this boot camp. And this boot camp is designed to give you the, the, the fundamental tools you need to be a Constitution study patriot, to have a strong foundation to build your arguments, to hold your debates, your discussions, but also to give you a few tools that you can use literally right now to start protecting your rights. Not simply theoretically. I use examples from my own life of how I've used these handful of tools so you walk out with this information. Now, I've, I've held my first boot camp. I videoed it. I'm editing the video, and once I do, the video will be available on the website, constitutionstudy.com. I'm actually looking to do a whole revamp of the website, but that's going to be part of it. And once someone goes through the boot camp, um, I'm actually going to put a little test at the end to make sure they were actually paying attention. I'm actually putting together an actual uh, pledge that I expect people to take as being part of a a Constitution Study Patriots. Then they get invited to the Patriots program. And it's really in its infancy, which is is in many ways really good because people can help me shape what this program looks like. What are the things we're going to focus on in the education? How are we going to make this education better so that more people can get to it, read it, understand it, and then share it? What are the best ways to communicate? To, you know, you, what are you going to do if, if you know Twitter blocks us, Discord goes down, Telegram decides we've they've had enough? How can we maintain communication so that you guys are in Ohio. I'm in Tennessee. I talk to people across the country. How do we know what's going on out there that might interest us? How do they know? How do we learn from what they've done? Ham radios. And then, and then, <laughs> hey, I used to have my ham radios. Yeah. 
And and but then let's the last part being ham license. Why are you letting the federal government tell you who you can talk to, Paul? Gosh, I'm not going there yet. Uh, the <laughs> but the 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 the, the Minutemen. I cannot tell you how many times. One of the one couple that was at the first uh, uh, boot camp is actually they're they filed a lawsuit. They've done it per se, meaning they don't have a lawyer. They're doing it themselves. They filed FOIA requests. They've got discovery. They've been getting all this wonderful information. How can we help them? How can you know they're standing up for their rights? How can we stand up for rights when they're infringed? Hey, this sounds great. Come in. This sounds great. How much is this going to cost me? I have no idea because I, I, I literally haven't gotten that far. Um, well, how about the boot? My camp? guess is people it, want to get in the boot camp. A, huh? The boot camp. What's the boot camp cost? The boot camp's going to be free. Huh? The boot, okay. the boot how camp's much, free. How much for the, the, the pages programs probably going to be about somewhere between five and $10 a month, five and $10 a month. Does that give, a me, month. A, does that give me a Patriot prime rib at the end? Do I get a t-shirt? <laughs> Can I come to the barbecue at the word and go, I'm sorry, I ruined your Patriot but party. You know, <laughs> initially, that's what I'm looking for is, is I'm, I don't want this to be financially out of reach. All right. Like, so what I want to do point out, though, and I already knew the answer to that. So if the boot camp is free, listen, Paul's putting a whole lot of resources into this thing. And how can they support you, Paul? Books? Uh, where do they go? Where do they go to support the Constitution study? So, Best way to go, constitutionstudy.com. Uh, there's a you, there's a store there. Uh, right now, it's listed under books and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I've got books for sale. I do have some tchotchkes like mugs and T-shirts and stuff, but those really haven't sold very well, so I'm less interested in those. Well, you're going to sell way, two of them. We're going to be here next week with Constitution Study T-shirts on. I guarantee <laughs> it. But the there's also you can also just donate. There's a donate option in the store. That says here we just give give me money, um, that would help. But the uh, the the biggest thing I'm looking for is exposure, because I don't I th- when I talk to people and they hear about what I'm doing, they say that sounds great. How come I haven't heard of this before? Uh, how do we get word spread? All right, so the financial support is w- wonderful. I, as you said last week, this all comes out of my pocket. Uh, so that that would help tremendously, but also letting other people know, hey, give this a try. Listen to this. Does this, this does this guy make sense or not? And letting other people know so that they might be interested as well. I still have the big fear, and we've and we've talked about it before, and you've even said it in the last episode of the episode before that, where the appetite for this type of talk in the younger generations just isn't there. That's the saddest part. Yeah, and. It's been my, I had this wonderful uh, conversation. There's a, a young man at a grocery store down here that I go to. And I was in there one day with my constitution study shirt on. And he said, what's the constitution study? I said, I help people reinstate the constitution. He thought it was great. So whenever I'm there, I look for him just to say hello and, and, you know, see what's going on. I, he's more and more interested in, the, in, in these types of things. He's 20 years old. Um, I found out because he said, you know, we were talking about things. He goes, you're really smart. I said, no, I'm not. I said, how old are you? He goes, I'm 20. I said, dude, I turned 60 this year. I just have a lot more experience than you do. Yeah. And he sticks with people, it. And he's absolutely as smart as you at 60. The, the, the young people, when they, the biggest problem I had with history growing up 
is it put me to sleep. It's when, when people think about the Constitution, they go, oh, my God, I'm going to go. No, it's really kind of cool. It's really kind of exciting. Young people, when they realize what's really at stake, they start getting a little more, a little more interest. Not all of them, right? Some are just sold down the river of, I can, you know, spend my life, uh, you know, eating Cheetos, watching YouTube, and the government will pay for everything I want to do. Go ahead. But there's actually quite a few young people that when they they hear the the this, the siren song of liberty, they do say, "Yeah, I'm interested in this. Tell me more." Yeah. All right. Well, constitutionstudy.com. Not the, but just constitutionstudy.com. You can go to books and more. Uh, the one I ha- I do have, the Constitution Study book. Uh, what is it? $25 if you want to buy it. I think it's $30 yep. signed. Yep. Um, you can also get the digital format. But listen, man, you, you need a book that you can page through, highlight things. Um, uh, just you, you, you can always donate, but get something for your money. Don't just donate to them. Get the book so you can read the book and educate yourself. I'm telling you, I mean, we, God, we say it all the time. We're at a critical point, man. If you guys don't get involved now, there's going to be no time to get involved later. It's going to be too late. So, hmm. Paul, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we'll definitely be uh, reaching out to you again. Uh, you're always one of our most popular episodes. We get questions in here, and uh, uh, you just keep up the good fight, brother. We'll keep a list. We'll do questions next time. Oh, well, we will. You got it, bud. You got it. It's been a good time. Right. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll see you, Paul. Thanks. Once again, doing the Lord's work. Oh, dude, I tell you what. This guy. Um, so we've heard some words of wisdom from Paul Engel. Yep. Do we have any other words of wisdom from anybody? Well, so when it comes to the Second Amendment, Joe Biden has chimed in on the Second Amendment. Now, Joe Biden is your president. My president. He is your president. You're right. He is my president. And here's what our president <laughs> thinks about the Second Amendment. It made it harder for people to buy stabilized braces. Put a pistol on a brace, it turns into a gun. Makes it more, you can have a higher caliber weapon, a higher caliber bullet coming out of that gun. Got outlaw pistol braces, bro. It's going to turn 9 millimeter into a 
We appreciate you guys following along with us uh, every week. You can follow us on Facebook at Pod Bless America. You can follow us at Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. And listen, you can always reach out to us at Jim at PBAPodcast.com. And Dan at PBAPodcast.com. So until next time, man, we appreciate you guys. Get involved in the fight. The destiny's ours. <laughs>